What an amazing morning we've had so far. It's been fabulous. I woke up this morning with a heavy head and a sore throat. And I said, Father, I thank you that in all seasons, in all weathers, you have created us to just be a machine that just goes. So here I am, because God is good. <clears throat> I will rest in you. I will rest in you. King of glory, Lord of heaven, I will rest in you. I will rest in you. I will rest in you. I will rest in you, Lord. I will rest in you. I will rest in you, King of glory, Lord of heaven. I will rest in you. Father, I just thank you that as a congregation, that you rest upon us, that we have your peace this morning, that our minds are clear, our ears are open to hear you, Father, that you teach us, Holy Spirit, to rest in you, to enjoy your presence. We just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when um, Lucy mentioned what's in your hand, that is actually the title of my sermon, but I did share it. Um, but it was good that um, what we tried to do is share the title of sermon so that everything else actually flows with what we're doing because God is a God of order. Amen. So there is um, a chap called um, Paul Yonggi Cho. He is also known as David Yonggi Cho. He's a pastor, a senior pastor in South Korea. Now, when he was 19, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis and he was told he had um, four months to live, okay? And at 19, that is quite a shock to actually receive. And he was a Buddhist. So he went home and he said to Buddha, that because that's his God, can Buddha help him and make him well? And nothing happened. He got frustrated and then he goes, well, Buddha, I'm not worshiping you anymore. That other God that is out there Whoever you are, I don't know your name, but if you're real, I want you to make me well. A week later, a young schoolgirl knocked on his door. She was going around telling people about Jesus. And she spoke to Paul Yonggi Cho about Jesus. And this young girl kept going back, kept going back to talk to him about Jesus. Until one day, he got frustrated and agitated with her. And he spoke very harshly to this girl. And she broke down crying, and she was praying for him when she was crying, praying for him. And he was so moved, and he said, if he will stop you crying, I receive this Jesus that you're talking about, whoever he is. The girl gave him a Bible and told him where to read when you become a new Christian, and left him with it. Within three months, now they told him he was going to die, so within three months, he was better. Within four months, he was out of his sick bed. He was outside. Now, Paul Yonggi Cho, the church that he pastors, he's, he's got loads of churches. The one he pastors has 750,000 
congregation members in one single church. But you see, what I want to talk to you about this morning is not Paul Yongicho. It is about that young schoolgirl. And do you know the amazing thing? Paul Yongicho never asked her her name. So he doesn't even know her name. But do you know something? God knows that girl's name. Because God put something in her that drove her at that age to go out there and knock on doors to tell people about Jesus. And she did it obediently. And now wherever she is, because she'll still be alive, she will see the result of her obedience to use what God has placed in her for his glory. So my question to you this morning is what is it that God has put in you? What is that shining diamond that is within you? You see, when God created humanity, he put a measure of himself, because we're here, we are created in God's image. He put a measure of himself in us, and within that measure, he put something specific into us. Be, call it a talent, call it a gift, call it whatever you want to call it. There is something in you that God placed there for a purpose. Now, some of us might not know what that gifted or talent is. Some of us might know. It could be a gifted accountant. It could be a gifted medical doctor. It could be your, a gifted pastor, an evangelist. Whatever it might be, there is something in every single person. Now, our part is to seek to understand what is it that God has put in me. Because unless you understand and you know it, you will never work it to bring it to fruition. When you work in a workplace, they do all sorts of development programs because they look at people and they say, You're, you have the potential to be an aspiring leader. You have the potential to be a chief executive. But within the church, we refuse for whatever reason to look within ourselves and think, what has God placed in me? We're waiting for somebody else to come and tell you, you are a gifted evangelist. If God has affirmed you, if God has put it in you, then need to recognize it and start to work on it and ask him, Holy Spirit, help me to be a vessel that you can pour yourself through, a vessel through which you can reach people, a vessel through which you can light up the world, a vessel through which you can blow up the works of the enemy. For every single person in this room, there is a place that God has created for you to go into, that only you has the access code to get into that place and speak God's word to those people to bring a release in their lives and I'm asking you what are you doing we come to church on Sunday Sunday after Sunday the weekday we go to work on Saturday we do chores there is more to our lives as God's creation than that the word has conditioned us to actually think like that Monday morning to Friday work Saturday chores Sunday chores and then you start the cycle again and then again and then again no wonder the word thinks we're boring is it surprising? It isn't. I hope you love me, though. <laughs> so this morning, I want to talk to you about Elijah. So Elijah, um, this is in 1 Kings um, 17, verse 7 to 16. So in this scenario... God sends Elijah to a brook in a place called Kerith. And God arranged it for ravens to feed him. 
and God created streams of water for him to drink. But there came a time when that brook dried up and the ravens stopped coming to feed Elijah. So God then spoke to him and said he wants him to go to Zarephath and he has commanded a widow in Zarephath to feed Elijah and meet his needs. I mean, you can imagine Elijah was saying, yeah, great, you fed me here. Zarephath, here I come. So he gets there and he meets this widow and he says to her, can you, uh, what have you got? She said, oh, I've only got a little oil and a little bit of flour. So he says to her, can you make me some bread, a cake bread, um, and bring me some water to drink? And this woman responds to him in verse 12, surely as the Lord your God lives, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So my question that came into my mind was, did God not know that she only had a little flour and a little oil? He knew that. But he still sent Elijah to that woman. But you see, that woman couldn't see beyond the little flour and the oil in her hands. She couldn't see that the God of the heavens and the earth could multiply that to feed her and to actually meet the needs of those around us. How many times do we look within ourselves and see that little person? How many times do we look within ourselves and see what we're not capable of? How many times do we look at ourselves and think about our background? How many times do we look at ourselves and think about the battles that we fought and how we can't, all the things we've done, the disgusting things we've done, God cannot use us, I ca it can't be me. I want you to take those spectacles off and put a God-like spectacle on. Because the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about what God has placed within us comes from the, the lenses through which we're looking. Are you looking through God's lenses at yourself? We don't like talking about ourselves, do we? Are you looking through God's lenses at you? Do you know when... Um, I mean, we're family, so I don't mind sharing this. When we got married, um, I was born in Nigeria. I hope you can still tell by my accent. <laughs> it hasn't completely disappeared. And I remember when we got married, and um, after a while, I, I said to, to my husband that, oh, I want to go and have elocution lessons. And he said, why? Because I want to sound like you. And when I said that, he said to me, if you start to sound like me, I'm going to wonder where my wife is. But I didn't look at myself. All I could see were what I wasn't. But I wasn't looking at who I am. So what did Elijah say to that woman? He wasn't bothered. I thought it was quite ironic what he said. He says, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. That's because she says she's going home to die. <laughs> he says, do as you have said. But first, make me a small cake of bread from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself. 
Then he goes on to tell her that God has already promised that her flour and oil will not run out until there is rain on the land. Now, when you think about the apostles, Peter for, comes to my mind. When somebody, I think he was, um, was he a blind or lame man who was calling out to Peter? He was asking for money, that's it. And Peter said to him, um, silver or gold, I have not. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. He was a lame man. Rise up and walk. Now, Peter could have looked at himself and think, I'm poor. I have nothing to give this man. But he knew what God had put in him. And he knew that if he uses it in the name of Jesus, that man will be released from the bondage that he was in. And can you imagine the testimony of that man to the people around him, to his family, to everybody that he sees that I've been lame, now I can walk because Peter prayed in the name of Jesus. You can pray that prayer too because you are a child of God. The Bible says that the spirit of God is within us and it is that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is that same spirit that parted the Red Sea. It is that same spirit that was there when God created, when he said, let there be. It was the Holy Spirit that was hovering over the earth. The Bible tells us it was him. Because everything that God does, he does it by his spirit. And that same spirit is in you. Can you imagine if you actually come to realize what a threat you are to the kingdom of darkness? Because that's what the enemy never wants us to know. That's why it keeps us trapped in this self-pity, looking at me, poor little me. To him, you're a giant. But when you look in the mirror, you keep seeing this poor little me. And it keeps you, yeah, just keep looking at that poor little me. Because when you, if you keep looking at the poor little me, you can't move into the giant arena. You have the power within you in the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow because that is what the Bible says. So, so I just want to take us to Matthew 13, 32, where it talks about um, the mustard seed, um, that it is the, the smallest of seeds. Yet, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can come and perch in its branches. We are like a tree. We are pl like a tree planted by the river, and we grow, we are meant to grow, we are meant for people to come to us because there is something within us that they need to access. But we need to realize what it is we carry. I just want to say to you, Charlotte, that you, you need to start to ask God why he puts that ability within you to sing. You need to start to seek his face. And don't do that thinking about where you are right now. None of us have perfect lives. So don't sit thinking God cannot release or use you until you are at a certain place or your life looks like this. What you need to start to do is what you have, what you have, you release it to him, give it to him, and let him astound you with what he is going to do through you. He didn't bring you into his kingdom as a young woman for nothing. There is a purpose. There are people that only Charlotte can speak to. 
and get their, their ears to open to receive the gospel that I cannot talk to. I can talk to them, they might not listen. But there are people you're ordained to sing to. There are people you're ordained to minister to. There are people you're ordained to speak to. When are you going to start asking him? In your room, ask him, Lord, what is it? How? When? Start to ask him. See, when you get distracted, you have to find yourself again in your notes, don't you? So, um, Revelations 3, verses 7 to 8, talks about, it says, these are the words of him who holds the key of David. When, what he opens, no man can shut. And when he shuts something, no man, no one can open it. You see, God is the door opener to whatever it is that is in you. It is not your pastor. It is not your church leadership. Because if God does not open that door, you can go to the most anointed evangelist to pray over you. Nothing will happen. And do you know why? Because when God starts to set you on that road, he wants to be your bedrock, not man. He wants to be the one that you turn to, to say, Lord, what do I say next? What do I do next? That is what a vessel is. A vessel does not operate of its own accord. A vessel is connected to the operator. Have you ever seen, I know they do driverless cars now, but I don't know how well that's going to work. But a vessel is connected to the person that operates it. Once it detaches itself, it starts to malfunction. So you need to get your face and your eyes off of people if they will just see what is in me. Why do you speak to God? That what you have placed in me, Lord, when is the time? Where is the place? How? Speak to him. <coughs> because if people could do it, they would have done whatever it is you're after. They would have done it now. Proverbs 18 verse 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him. What you were designed to be known for is your gift. God has put a gift or talent in every person that the world will make room for. I was reading about that 16-year-old Swedish girl, I think she's Swedish or Norwegian, who is into climate change. Is it Greta? Or, uh -huh. And I was thinking about that girl, and I thought to myself, I don't even know whether she's a Christian, but what a bold and courageous young woman. I mean, she's actually on the world stage She's going to different countries, talking to people about climate change for one reason only, because she tuned into what was in her. She tuned into it. Now, can you imagine you as a Christian, if you tuned in, connected with God, what God has placed in you, and then you got to that world stage? Can you imagine what could happen with God's word? You see, when God puts a gift in us, the timing for that gift is his. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that anoints us. He's the one that appoints us. Because when you look at the apostles and the, the, the disciples, they didn't do anything until Jesus anointed, appointed them, and sent them off. They didn't. It was after Jesus had done that, that they started putting their hands on sick people and doing all sorts of amazing miracles because that is the release. 
And what I want to say to you this morning is, you see, God doesn't need your help to actually bring that gift to fruition. He doesn't. Because what we tend to do is sometimes when some of us who maybe recognize what God has placed in us, so we want to make it happen. And when we want to make things happen, we start to strategize and do this and do that. But God doesn't need you to do that. He doesn't need you. What he needs you to do is sit, recognize what he, it's placed in you, start to pray over it, and start to have that conversation with him, Father, when? Jesus was the son of God. He didn't start his ministry till he was 30. Can you imagine if that was one of us? Ah! Oh my goodness, it would be like, let me at him, let me out there. He didn't start his ministry till he was 30 years old and he was crucified at 33. That was the shortest ministry, but the most impactful because the timing was right and he did it the way that God wanted it done and he did exactly what God asked him to do, no more, no less. See, I've got this um, <laughs> fridge magnet on my fridge you've probably all seen it it's of a lion with his mane and the caption says um um it says if god wants wanted us to control everything he would not have given us hair <laughs> and you know <laughs> every time i feel the urge to help god move things in my life because there are some things i want to see happen when i start to try to do things to help god along you know because he's a bit slow, isn't he? To help him along to make these things happen, I go to that fridge and I remind myself that actually, no, he doesn't ask you because he doesn't want you in control of everything. He wants you to go to him for the right time. And that's why Genesis is really, really important when we read the story of creation, that God gave us authority and dominion over the birds of the air, over the beasts of the field, but not over man. He never did. He never gave us dominion over man. So, and what happens is when we try to, to help God, we move into that territory of trying to control the things that we see, trying to control the people that we see, so that that gift that we have can flow. No, that is not God's way. God's way is a way of patience, is a way of persevering, is a way of obedience. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Where that widow that um, Elijah went to, she was in a place of submission. Because she, from her natural perspective, she had nothing. But she said to him, he said to her, make me bread. She made it. That was all she had. That is a place of submission. And look what happened. Because of that obedience, and God used what he had given her to bless her, to bless Elijah, to bless people around her. See, the gift of God in us is meant to bless, is meant to release people, is meant to transform lives because it comes from the Holy Spirit. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Proverbs 10.22 says that the blessing of God maketh rich and adds no sorrow. So if you feel you've identified the gift that God has given you and you're trying to work it, 
but it isn't working. Or you do, you're miserable, everybody else around you is miserable, then you need to stop and ask God, Father, is this the right thing that I'm doing? Is this the right time? Because sometimes God might have called you to be an evangelist, but God has called you to do it in 2030. But actually, when 2005, and you're already hot-footing around, wanting to be an evangelist. Whatever God has placed in you, you're the only one who can do it. So you need to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't watch an evangelist on TV and then try to be them. You are, you are not them because the anointing that is on their lives is not the anointing on your life. Because God has called you for who you are. He's placed something in you. And the anointing might be for you to go to, I don't know, Iraq. And this evangelist is in America. Completely different areas. Completely different situations. You need to tune in and ask him, Lord, what is it that I need to be doing? But be who God has called you to be. You know, I love my brother, Jonathan. He's so amazing. He makes me laugh. He, and just by the way, just to let you know, sorry, Jonathan, when the youth go away, he's preaching. So any of the youth who are going, you're going to have an amazing time. He's such a fabulous, because he is himself. Come rain or sunshine, he is himself. And that is what God wants us to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God has called you to be. Now, when you're who God has called you to be, is be like Marmite. Some people will think, eh. <laughs> and some people will absolutely love you. But the people who will gravitate towards you will be those people who recognize the gift of God in you because they need it. If you're not hungry for spaghetti, you don't go to an Italian restaurant, do you? If you want Chinese, you find a Chinese restaurant. If you want Indian, you go to an Indian restaurant. That is the way the gift of God works. Those who will be blessed by it, who need to access it, will flock towards you. So don't get upset if you think God has put this gift in you and some people look at you like you've just fallen off the back of a, of a bus. No, don't get upset. Praise God. And just continue to thank him for what he has placed in you and continue to... Thank him that you will keep standing until you see that gift come to fruition. Because God doesn't lie and he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. My sister Trish, she always says, yeah, yeah, I love her. I don't say it, but I couldn't say it like her. Well, she does. And we need to celebrate one another. If you see a gift in somebody, tell them. Celebrate them, tell them. Because I can tell you the enemy is working over time to make sure that they never actually accomplish or use that gift. But if we have the mindset that when you see a gift in somebody, you encourage them, you build them up. Can you imagine if we were all doing that? Can you imagine what our congregation would feel like? That people would come in here and they'll think, I never want to leave. Don't envy a gift that you see in somebody else. Don't. If you see it, Praise God for it and thank him that he's placed something in you as well. And don't try to be like them because you're not, you haven't walked the road. They've walked. You're not them. You see, I can talk about these things because I've learned through my own errors. Because God will not ask you to preach something if you have not actually been down that road. He wouldn't. Listen to the promptings and instructions 
of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, if God is telling you to, to, to go and knock on your neighbor's door and just tell them Jesus loves them, and you won't do it, but you want him to, to put you on a platform so that when you speak, everybody falls under the anointing, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Because you wouldn't trust somebody who cannot use a Nerf gun. Do you know what a Nerf gun is? Where the boys are. I know because we used to buy them when Tristan was young. Nerf gun. If, if God can't trust you to use a Nerf gun properly, why would he give you a Magnum? Mm. We don't want to be like the Israelites in the desert going around for 40 years and when we're carrying the gift of God in us and somebody out there is waiting to be blessed by that gift but we still even haven't looked at it. We haven't recognized who we are and what we are. As I end this morning, I just want to say to you that whatever gifting God has placed in your hands, it comes through the Holy Spirit. Nothing comes from the Father that is not done through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to read our Bible. That's why we need to ensure that we allow him to soften our heart. If you've been hurt before, maybe you've been in a church, you tried to use that gift and you got shot down, don't harden your heart. Because whatever situations we've been through, whatever circumstances we've been through, the only way that God's promises for your life would not come to pass is if you have a hard heart. Make sure that whatever you do, you soften, you have a soft heart. Years ago, when I was working in, in London, I had a team that I was working with and I had a meeting with the local authorities and I took one of my team members we got to the meeting with this, he was a chief exec. We walked in, me and this lady, he looked at her and he assumed that she was Barbara because she was Caucasian and I was a black woman. And he turned to her and he said, hi Barbara. And she said, oh no, it's not me, this is actually my boss. But I could have got annoyed and upset. And whatever it was that God was going to do in my life would have probably been cut short. But I refused to do that. I refused, I carried on. And I worked very well with him. But I'm saying that to you that because we all have different circumstances, different things that the enemy tries to use to stop us in our tracks. I am who God has called me to be. The gift in me will make room for me because that is his word. God doesn't see you as a color. He doesn't see you as a gender. He sees you as his child. That is all he sees. You see, for God to do all these things in your life, you need to give him access. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, or if you want to rededicate yourself to him, we're going to say um, the salvation prayer. And if you could just rise to your feet, we'll say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your grace to forgive me and your love to change me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me for the sin in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. With your help, I will live life for you. Amen.